Hey, and welcome to Nightlight. Beginning of the year, there's always a temptation to get into all kinds of speculation and even more than speculation, biblical principles related to government and the direction of the country and world events and our responsibility as believers to, uh, to understand those things to the degree that we are intercessors. The kingdom of priests responsible to pray for good government and for uh, these kind of things that affect the lives of millions of people. It's At least it's natural for me to tend to want to do that. But when I pray about what we should do in the time that we've got here, that's not what I'm getting. What I'm getting is that me and you need something that will help us just deal with our own world, with our own everyday issues. You know, um, with all due respect to the principles of responsibility that I just mentioned, sometimes I don't really want to hear what's going on in Russia or China or Cuba or the stock market or the United States government for, for, for sure. I need to deal with my own heart and my own world. And I remember back in the days when my world was not quite so complicated by larger issues that cramp cramp in, into it and push into it. It was pretty easy to uh, deal with my own world, and it was an effort to deal with the larger issues. Now it's backwards. Uh, I tend to want to deal with the big issues at the expense of the more private private ones. And uh, I'm not sure that's a good thing. And about 30 years ago, there was a song that really meant a lot to me, still does mean a lot to me. And uh, it said, Lately, I've been winning battles left and right. But even soldiers can get wounded in the fight. People say that I'm amazing stronger than my years but they don't see inside of me I'm hiding all the tears they don't know that I go running home when I fall down they don't know who picks me up when no one is around I drop my sword and cry for just a while because deep inside this armor the warrior is a child Twilight Paris 1981 the power of childlikeness to help us become and stay focused on what really matters most and therefore which helps us uh, endure the, the, the big battles um, is something that has been too much neglected, especially in, in our kind of a, the kind of macho Christianity that has evolved over the last couple of decades the so-called muscular Christianity or Christianity of, uh, of uh, real men. And there's, there's obviously a place for that. I mean, I'm, I've been a part of that movement for years and understand and respect the, the valid aspects of it. But the greatest warrior in the Bible who happens to also be the king of Israel made a statement in Psalm 131 that has just riveted me, especially lately. Where he says, you know, I'm the, I'm the king of Israel, and yet I have learned how to quiet myself 
like a weaned child. I've learned how to, to still myself and not to take upon myself things too big for me. How could the king, who whose responsibility it is to, to take everything that is big and carry it on his royal shoulders, how does he learn to quiet himself like a weaned child and not to take things upon himself that are too big for him? Well, he does it uh, because... That's the only way he will be able to carry the big things. He learned, he says, to quiet himself like a weaned child. He learned that if he didn't do that, his shoulders would crack, and that if he did quiet himself, he would find the strength to carry whatever he had to carry. Most of us have not learned that. Uh, Most of us tend to try to tackle more than we can tackle. And then when we begin to crack under it, uh, we buck up and try to redouble our efforts rather than get the message that uh, it's time to be still. Childlikeness doesn't even go through that process. Childlikeness, um, really, I've got five aspects here of childlikeness that I want to just mention. Wonder, simplicity, Spontaneity, expressiveness, and trust. Childlike wonder is not so impressed with itself that it doesn't notice the magic of fireflies and sunsets and faces in the sky made with clouds and laughter and twilight and puppies and the magic all around us that is a gift from God, that we insult the Lord uh, by ignoring that or by treating it as mundane is something that uh, is not in the heart of a child. You have to become an adult to insult the Lord that way. Simplicity has to do with the fact that children are not complicated in their thinking. They don't have all the facts and figures and details of life by which they then concoct an ulcer or a migraine headache. They just live in the moment. Spontaneity is what happens when you live in the moment with wonder. You, If you live in the moment and you're aware of wonder, then you're going to spontaneously respond to it. And how do you respond to it? Not only spontaneously, but expressively. You don't just respond to it inside your head. You've never seen a little child look at something magical or beautiful or colorful or exciting and go, huh, it's interesting. Oh, he, he what does he do? He, he jumps, he, he dances, he claps his hands. She twirls, she sings. And this all comes out of a foundation of basic trust. Children find the energy and the time to respond to the wonderful with simplicity and spontaneity and expressiveness because underneath it all, they trust that everything beautiful and good and wondrous that they are responding to is is provided for them. They, they don't even think in terms of 
whether it could fall apart or come to an end or uh, be replaced by a mushroom cloud on the horizon or they don't think like that. And Jesus said, except we become like little children, we will not see the kingdom. I don't think he means by that that we won't go to heaven. Because talking about the kingdom is not talking about heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven, but it, but the kingdom comes to earth. And he says, if you don't have the heart of a child, you won't be able to comprehend the uh, the kingdom around you. You won't even see it. Um, how many people do you know that way? They may be believers. They've given their hearts to Jesus. They belong to him. They've repented of their sins. They're, they're going to heaven, but but they don't see anything around them of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they're overburdened by the things of the world. I know all about it because I'm tempted with it all the time. I, I, I've always been, maybe not always, but in, in recent memory, I have been a person who sees the glass half empty. And it's very easy for me to fall over into kind of a gloomy Eeyore, puddle glum kind of thing. And I could name, I could blame the prophetic. Uh, I could say, well, it's because of the, uh, my prophetic nature. But, you know, the, the prophetic doesn't see gloom and doom. It sees gloom and doom on its way to seeing the kingdom. So every one of the prophets in the scripture, every one of them, major prophets, minor prophets, old covenant, new covenant, whoever, you name them, they all are seeing the coming gloom and doom only in the context of the greater coming of glory and restoration and healing and redemption, that the gloom and doom happens to uh, er erupt in resistance to, but is finally overcome by the coming of the kingdom. So it's not good, it's not valid to blame a prophetic nature for being gloomy. No, the gloomy stuff comes from being sinful. <laughs> it comes from being uh, preoccupied with uh, the, the fallenness around, around me and in me, which I'm only allowed to do in the context of repenting of it, turning from it, and then embracing the the coming kingdom in my heart and seeing it. So Psalm 131 is a picture of childlikeness in the heart of a king. If, if a king considers himself uh, in need of this kind of thinking, this kind of living, this kind of behaving, I think me and you do, too, since we're all kings anyway. We're kings and priests. So if we're a kingdom of priests and we're called to stand in the gap and intercede and birth the, the purposes of God in the earth, that's our, that's our main function. Whether we're in ministry, so-called ministry, in church-related activities, or whether we're a doctor or a lawyer or Indian chief, our main purpose is to be a kingdom of priests to bring the kingdom. The word priest means bridge builder. King is a ruler. We rule in life by Christ Jesus and we build bridges for the kingdom to come. And um, how, do you, how do you stay in a mindset that makes that possible? How do you practice the presence of Jesus all the time? How do you 
like it says in First Thessalonians five, what about five twenty three? Pray without ceasing. How do you do that? What did Paul really mean? Pray without ceasing. What did he mean by praying without ceasing? Now, praying without ceasing and staying filled with the Holy Spirit and practicing the presence of Jesus and living above the gloom and doom are all the same thing. So how do you do those things? Well, Paul talks about it in, in uh, Ephesians 5. If, you've got, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, I wish you'd turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and listen to a verse that we've all probably heard a thousand times maybe we've committed it to memory but like so many things we think we know we commit it to memory and then forget it and then don't live in it paul says here be therefore imitators of god as dear children be imitators of god as dear children that phrase dear children there evokes a picture of little children who are enjoying the affection and the fun and the fellowship and the closeness and intimacy of their father. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness let it not be named even once among you as becomes the behavior of saints. Uh, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting which are in opposition to life, but rather the giving of thanks. For know this, that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of this kind of behavior uh, comes the wrath of God on the children of rebellion. Don't be part of them. Don't partake of their lifestyle or the fruit of it or the end of it. For there was a time when you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things that are done in secret. But all things will be made manifest by the light, and they become light. In other words, when the light shines on something evil, the light exposes it, and then it no longer is capable of functioning as evil. That doesn't mean light turns evil into something good. It means light exposes evil and then it uh, no longer can function and good replaces it. Um, verse 14, Awake you who sleep and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk watchfully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he tells you how to do, do all that. See, if you, if you read all that as commands and do's and don'ts, and uh, just in, 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 the, in the context of this, these are rules I've got to keep, you'll never do it. 
think you'll do you'll fall. But he says the way to do all this is don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, how do you do that? Being filled with the Spirit, praying without ceasing, practicing the presence of Jesus, living above the gloom and doom. Uh, all of that is manifested in being doing something that we all would have to consider child childish or if you're thinking straight childlike speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord we've all heard that verse for years and i don't think most of us have thought for five seconds about what it's saying. It's not just some goofy religious phrase. Uh, it's, it's, it's a how-to. I mean, it's, it's a very practical thing. This is how you do it. How do you stay filled with the Spirit? The, the Greek phrase there implies a constant bubbling up. It's, it's be continually being filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? It's like a, just like an artesian well springing up. Jesus said, if you're filled with the Spirit, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Well, how does that happen? How do you pray without ceasing? How is that possible? Well, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. This, is, this doesn't mean going and singing to each other. <laughs> You know, I got friends who just can't comprehend why anybody would like a musical. You know, uh, people don't do that. You know, you don't just all of a sudden burst on, burst out in song with a full orchestra behind you. You know, they just think that's the stupidest thing. Well, I like musicals, but I'm a musician, so I guess I have no choice. But this is not talking about singing to each other like that. It's talking about singing to yourself, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I mean, it can mean corporate, but it. I'm not really, I mean, when I'm under the gun and I'm in spiritual battle and my mind is being accosted, it's usually not in the middle of a worship service, although it has been sometimes before, but it's usually when I'm by myself, I'm in the middle of something where it's just me and God and whatever enemy I'm confronted with. And uh, there... Is I really need to be able to pray without ceasing. I need to be able to stay filled with the Spirit. I need to be able to walk above the gloom. And I need to be able to uh, express the kingdom through me. And in those kind of circumstances, I don't feel like it. I mean, if I've got to draw from my feelings, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it. Jesus didn't say to stir up feelings that'll make me feel like I'm Spirit-filled. You know, Paul didn't say that either. So how do you do it? This is so simple and so childlike, not childish unless you're a fool. You, you'll call this childish if you're foolish. But it's, it's so simple, we don't ever teach it. We don't ever talk about it. I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say that people have asked me on a number of occasions, you know, how do you, how do you keep your mind clean? How do you keep your heart pure? And uh, I had answers to those questions years ago. Uh, they were simple answers because they were the way I lived when I was first coming out of the darkness of my own, of my own brokenness, my, 
when I was first learning to obey Ephesians 5. Uh, putting away the darkness that's listed there in chapter 5. I did it with, with simple things. Uh, I did it with uh, singing. That's how I mostly did it. And I understood, you know, it, it's become a cliche because I say it all the time and people probably get tired of hearing me say it, but if you can't sing good, sing loud. This is not about singing well. It's about singing uh, as a spiritual weapon. Uh, see, sp- let me just stop right here and explain. In in Matthew uh, chapter 21, Jesus is coming out of the temple. He's been healing people. And the children, and these are little children, are singing to him, Hosanna to the Son of David. They're, pra- they're, they're glorifying him. They're praising him. They're singing. And some of the legalistic old buzzards that ruled the roost there, they came up and said to Jesus, why don't you make them shut up? Make them be quiet. And Jesus said to them, have you, have you never read in the Psalms, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained praise? Uh, well, if you go to Psalm 12, or Psalm 8, excuse me, Psalm 8, verses 1 and 2, which is what Jesus is quoting there, it doesn't. It says it a little different. It says, "O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth! Who set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and and uh, infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies." Uh, Jesus says, "Ordained uh, praise." Well, praise is strength. What is it for? It's to break the power of the enemy. Psalm 149 is for uh, breaking the power of the enemy. What is it? It's a psalm of praise and worship and uh, uh, clapping your hands and dancing and shouting. And all these are weapons of war. They're also spontaneous expressions of childlike gratitude to God for all the goodness of life, which I guess is the same as a weapon of war. I always get a picture in my mind of a little child looking at Jesus, getting excited and jumping up and down and dancing. And as he jumps up to, to, to express himself in worship, he accidentally, quote unquote, uh, knocks the block off some demon that happened to be standing near him. Uh, the focus is not on the devil. The focus is on the Lord. And see, what most people do is they get focused on the temptation. They get focused on the enemy. And then the more they focus on it, the bigger it gets. They magnify the enemy. Uh, Lynn DeShazo's wonderful song is a good example of a weapon of war you can use in moments like that. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in the lie that you are unable to help me. But now, O oh Lord, I see my wrong. And uh, heal my heart and show yourself strong. And in my eyes and with my song, O oh Lord, be magnified. And when you begin to glorify the Lord and you begin to honor him, not, not resisting temptation by focusing on the temptation, but re- just begin to praise him. See, I used to live that way and then I... Somewhere along the line, got too sophisticated and too full of information. I lost my wonder. I lost my simplicity. I lost my spontaneity. And I lost my expressiveness. And then I began to lose my trust. And uh, I let the glass start getting half empty. 
And, uh, you know, here lately, recently, uh, I've had to come back. I didn't have to come back. Saying I had to come back is like saying I, I had to bathe in clean water or I had to drink from a pure stream or I had to eat healthy food. I didn't have to come back. I get to come back to the simplicity of those early days. The song that I quoted to you at the beginning from Twyla Paris, uh, The Warrior as a Child, was a song that carried me through two of the most difficult years of my early uh, young adult life and uh, in, in ministry. Uh, they were hard years, but they were good years. And one of the reasons they were good is because I didn't know a lot. And I, I knew uh, without his presence, I would not survive. And without practicing his presence, I would get diverted into dangerous, uh, wrong ways of fighting. And I, I learned how to be still, and I learned to be quiet. And I, I've had to relearn that over and over. And I'm, I'm in a stage in my life where I'm having to go back and relearn it again. Oh, go back and, and renew my childlikeness. Renew my my dependence. Which How do you do it? Well, it begins with wonder and simplicity. And, spo- and it results in spontaneity and expressiveness. And it, it builds a, a foundation of trust. And comes out of a foundation of trust. And uh, I could do a whole a whole hour just on wonder, just on simplicity, just on spontaneity, and just on expressiveness. But rather than do that, I just I want to give a few examples. Uh, maybe that's the best way. Maybe uh, if if I could just tell you, uh, for instance, a few days ago I was talking to a, a young friend of mine who's a He's wise beyond his years, and he's been through a lot. And he's lived in the presence of the Lord and put himself, uh, he's against the world for the world's sake, and he lives that way. And he was asking me about uh, how I keep myself stable when I have to deal with so much uh, dirty, ugly stuff, uh, dealing with people's uh, battles uh, in family and moral issues and sexual issues and uh, uh, communications and film and music and television and radio and books and all the stuff. It's just a, it's just a, uh, for the most part, it's like the river Ganges. It's, it's a horrible mixture and, and the filth that's mixed into the good makes the good almost not worth, uh, trying to obtain. And, um, he told me, he said, you know, I learned to just periodically pray the Jesus prayer, the, the prayer of the Desert Fathers. Simple little prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just pray that prayer whenever I, I sense the, the feeling of being pulled by the world. And I understand that, but and, and it's a good thing, but I always did something uh, even, I think, easier and more effective and that was I just would sing inside my head I would just start singing have you ever had a song get in your head that you don't want there it's like a worm in an apple it's just you know you go to go to a store and they got they're playing some stupid music and that song you hear the song you say oh, I don't I don't want to hear that song well the reason it gets in your head like that is because God intended you 
to be very, very susceptible to, to song, to, to the effect of it. This, this is one reason why, for instance, uh, students learning, learning a Greek or, or Hebrew vocabulary or learning how to, uh, how to conjugate verbs in, uh, in a different language, uh, they'll, they'll memorize it with a little song, a little sing song. And, uh, song comes from the right side of the brain. It, it comes from what you might want to call the heart rather than the logical part of the brain, the left side. And so when you, this is a great way to learn scripture, by the way, you know, uh, we used to sing scripture all the time. It's, I don't, I don't see that anymore. I don't know why that's disappeared. Uh, but we, we sang scripture in, in my early days of, of, uh, discipleship. And that's how we learned scripture. We sang it. That's how the, the Hebrews learned scripture. They sang them. They, uh, they, and then they would re- not just learn them by rote, but they would turn them into expressions of their own inner being. So, uh, a lot of Twilight Paris songs for me in those days were weapons of war, not just the one that I quoted, The Warrior as a Child, but f- to keep my mind clean uh, when I was purging my mind of the filth that I'd come from. She had a little song that went, All that is good, all that is right, all that is truth, justice, and light. All that is pure and holy indeed. All that is you, all that I need. And I would just sing it consciously in the face of temptation or in the face of painful dark memories but after a while it began to sing itself jesus said out of your belly will flow rivers of living water the holy spirit comes in and then he flows back up and out uh and and see as i sing to him then he he takes the things that i've put in me willfully and he takes those things and he he energizes them with his resurrection life so that when I'm in a place where I'm too weak or too hurt or too whatever to sing, he flows back up out of me with the, the same power and truth that I've been putting in. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so what you're putting in becomes the... Uh, the the ammunition he uses to flow back out against the enemy and to push back uh, whatever darkness is trying to engulf you and so the this warfare this spiritual warfare that i'm trying to describe doesn't sound at all like warfare uh to the natural mind especially to the kind of uh, uh macho way of thinking that we tend to uh, identify with war, but it's it's war, and it's sometimes uh, unlike natural earthly war, it's eternal. It has to do with eternal issues and eternal consequences, far more important than a mere human conflict on the earthly level. So, um, 
I want to give you a few examples of this from my life. I'm, I'm not trying to sing to you. I just want to give examples that, and I want to do it in a way that will get inside your head. I, I want to be the, I want to be the worm inside your head. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to give you some examples from my own experience. Back in the late seventies, uh, a missionary family in our church went to Mexico. And while they were there, uh, the father of the family, along with his two little girls, were crossing a railroad track. And, and uh, typical of parts of Mexico, there was no warnings of a coming train, no signs, no lights, nothing. And they were instantly killed by an oncoming train. And uh, the uh, funeral was, as you might imagine, one of the most difficult things that we as a congregation had faced ever in our young life as, as new believers. And uh, the days of waiting for them to come and the days of uh, waiting for the preparation for the funeral and then the day of the funeral and the days following the funeral. And it was a long, painful process. And uh, during that time, there was a song that uh, had just been recorded and was just going through the body of Christ that went like this. All through the day, all through the night, dwell in his promises, walk in his light. Darkness shall flee at his command. All through the day and night we're in his hand. Simple little chorus. But that, that song kept me personally, and maybe numbers of others of us, sane during the pain of that long, difficult, drawn-out period. And uh, just years you know, a few months ago, of course, when, when Tom Howard passed away, I was at, at the funeral. We began to sing that same song. All through the day, all through the night, dwell in his promises, walk in his light. Darkness shall flee at his command. All through the day and night, we're in his hand. Tom had written that song. Uh, I had forgotten that he had written it. And so the... Uh, the comfort and the power of that little chorus that carried us through those terrible days was right there present with me again uh, as if Tom was singing it to me to remind me that the same grace that carried me through that time was carrying me through this present one. The, you see, there's supernatural power in all this. Music comes from another world. Music comes from the, the, the eternal. Uh, just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and man is spirit, soul, and body, music is harmony, melody, and, and rhythm. And music has a quality of the eternal in it. I'm not, there's something about the, 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 
the being of God it, himself that is in music. This is why music can do things to us. This is why music can reach inside of us and transform us for good or sadly also for evil. That's why the enemy of all the instruments uh, he could have wielded in the seduction of a planet, uh, he wields music. This is why it matters what you listen to, what you put in uh, your soul, and, and the silly idea that uh, it, the lyrics don't matter, you're just listening to the music, uh, is, is, uh, shows that you've been trapped by the lie, because uh, the music opens you up to whatever the spirit of the music is trying to communicate. So even music with no lyrics has a spirit behind it. Uh, I, I can hardly bear to listen to some of Tchaikovsky's music because the agony of his own soul comes through it so much that if I'm not careful, it'll make me it'll make me depressed. So I hope you're beginning to catch on to this. Uh, we we want big answers. We want big, powerful uh, bombs we can throw at the devil. Well, this is one of the biggest bombs you can throw in his face. Is to sing, and and uh, for those of you who don't sing well, don't cop out with this and turn it into just mere poetry. Well, I'll just I'll just read it as poetry. No, 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 no. It's the singing itself that has the power. <clears throat> That's why I tell you, if you can't sing good. Make up for it by singing loud. Uh, and if you embarrass yourself by singing, then uh, go lock yourself up somewhere or go out in the woods if you have to. But learn to tap into that part of your that part of your uh, spiritual armament. Another example: years later, when I was in Texas, when I'd first gone, come to Texas and was uh, in, involved in a leadership of a very large church there that was embroiled in all kinds of deep problems, relational problems, secret sin, politics, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd pretty much made up my mind. I was going to protect myself from what I saw coming, and I was going to move on. Uh, thankfully, uh, the Lord didn't let me move on because my entire destiny uh, was tied to that that place. And so one morning, about five in the morning, I got up like I did every morning to go run. And uh, as I was putting my running shoes on, the radio was on. And in the background, uh, a song began to play. And as that song played, I was taken by the Holy Spirit into a place I'd never been before, where the faces of the people in that congregation began to come before me. First, the faces of people I was close to and, and emotionally secure with, but followed just as clearly were the faces of people who were the sources of the problems. The song that was playing was Wayne Watson's People of God. The chorus goes, People of God, called by his name, called from the dark, and delivered from shame, one holy race, saints every one, because of the blood of Christ. 
Jesus, his son. Now, to try to explain what happened in those four and a half minutes would sound Twilight Zone-ish. But the song takes about four to four and a half minutes to play through. I became completely unconscious of time. I was taken into a place where time was was no longer an issue. And I could have been uh, in that place for four hours uh, rather than four minutes. But when I came out of that experience, all those people, both the ones I loved and the ones I really struggled not to hate, were inside of me. And all during that oncoming war, a terrible, terrible church conflict where there were so many broken relationships, I don't want anybody to think for one minute that I'm trying to say I handled myself well in all that. Uh, Anybody uh, watching me would have said, man, he's cracking up. But if they only knew how badly I would have cracked up, had it not been for the sustaining work of the Spirit in me in learning to forgive my beloved enemies. And uh, this this whole meltdown went on over a period of about two and a half to three years. And I would be in the grocery store, and I would see somebody that uh, was part of the enemy, you know, part of the problem in, in that whole thing. And I would want to avoid them or even uh, be antagonistic toward them. And inside of me, I'd hear this artesian well flowing up from inside of me. Now, you talk about not having any emotions that would evoke singing and not having any feelings that would accompany oh, the you know what you expect to be connected to the beauty of music. I was in the most opposite spirit of that, as you can imagine, but the song had power over me. And I would hear in my head, people of God called by his name, called from the dark and delivered from shame. One holy race, saints, every one, because of the blood of Christ Jesus, his son. And my heart would begin to soften. And over a period of, I'd say, two or three years, uh, after the two or three year period of of the battle, so we're talking about maybe six years, God completely purged out of me all anger and bitterness and unforgiveness toward every person who had been involved in what what I considered the destruction of my home, the destruction of, of our family life together. And needless to say, you know, I also was in great need of seeing my own sin and my own areas of uh, mishandling, which the Lord showed me. But the music held me together and helped me walk out the truth of the scriptures when nothing else could. Nothing else could could reach me. And uh, there's so many examples of this. I, I, I could spend hours just walking through areas of my life where a song was the presence of God in the midst of of the dark. It was the candle in the dark, a little chorus or a hymn. I call these, this my hymn book, H-I-M book. And it takes a lifetime to build a hymn book. 
hymns and songs of the nature I'm talking about are like golden friendships. You don't build a, a, a deep abiding friendship with anybody quickly. The very nature of it requires experience together. And so you can't just jump up and uh, write down a few of these song titles that I'm mentioning and say, oh, I'll use those too. That's not how this works. I'm just giving you examples of songs from my hymn book. But my hymn book took 40 years to compile. And, uh, you know, I'm still compiling it, but it's like old friends. You know, the older you get, you make new friends, but you can't, you don't have time to make old friends out of new friends when you get to be a certain age. The old friends are old friends because they've been around for years and they know you inside out and you've laughed together and cried together, more cried together than laughed maybe. And uh, the songs that I'm using, examples here, they they were in the foundation stones of my life experience in, in practicing the presence and staying filled with the Spirit. Remember, this is how you stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, uh, prayer language is, is a certainly a, a part of this. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. Then he said, I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. See, this, this principle of spiritual warfare connected to singing is, is all over the Scriptures once you start looking for it. During that same period in Texas when things were so painful, and there were, there were times when I would look out ahead in my mind at the, the road stretched out ahead of me and uh, think, you know, I can't do this. I, I can't endure this. Now, I don't, you know, you feel that way all day long. What are you going to do about it? I mean, you have no choice. You're going to do it. But there are moments when you just become consciously aware of an unfolding period of difficulty that cannot be avoided, and the only way through it is to walk through it. And I remember during that period, one of the poems from Lord of the Rings that became so real to me was uh, Bilbo's The Road Goes Ever On and On down from the door where it began, and far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with weary feet, until it meets some larger way where many paths and errands meet, and whither then, I cannot say. And I remember reading that and thinking, yes, the road goes ever on and on. And I had no sense of rest or strength and one, once again, uh, to one of Twyla Paris's songs, just literally lifted me up on eagle's wings. Simple little chorus that says, Runner, when the road is long, feel like giving in, but you're hanging on. Oh, runner, when the race is won, you will run into his arms. I'd heard the song a dozen times, a hundred times. I mean, it was just part of the soundtrack of our daily life, you know, playing on the radio or playing on the tape player, playing on the record player at home. And uh, But then 
when it came to a point where I was facing the very nature of what the song's addressing, the Holy Spirit reached in and took hold of it and brought it back up, and he began to sing it to me. He began to sing it to me. I heard it in my head. Runner, when the road is long, you feel like giving up, but you're hanging on. Runner, when the race is won, you will run into his arms. This is the, this is the office of the Holy Spirit, the comforter. The whole idea of a comforter, comfort, to put your arm around and surround and help forward. And uh, that's exactly what he was doing, see. And he was singing to me. Zephaniah 3.17, by the way, says this is what God does. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will, he will, sing, he will sing over you, rejoice over you. The word in Hebrew is to sing over you. He sings over you. And uh, that's why Paul says in Ephesians 5, which we looked at a while ago, be imitators of God like dear little children. This is what I'm trying to get us to do, is learn to imitate God. What does God do? Well, among other things, he sings over us. And he sings inside of us. And as we join our voices in singing, we enter into that same place. This is why the worship time in a, in a church service, born, it burns me up when I hear people refer to it as the preliminaries. It's typical of Protestantism, uh, which has devolved into an uh, intellectual exercise. And I mean, I'm a teacher, so I'm not anti-intellectualism, for heaven's sakes. But I sure am anti-exaltation uh, uh, of the human mind above the spirit. And uh, in our worship, in our singing, we're not doing preliminaries. We are entering into that oneness of heart with the Spirit. Uh, Psalm 22 says, He sits enthroned upon the praises of His people. That's true whether you're with a group of people or whether you're by yourself. So if He sits enthroned upon the praises of His people and you're by yourself and you're in the midst of difficulty, then build a throne. Jesus, we enthrone you. We proclaim you our King. Standing here in the midst of us, we raise you up with our praise. And as we worship, fill your throne. And as we worship, fill your throne. Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place. Sing. Now, I want to give you a couple more examples. Again, Twyla Paris's writing was so intricately uh, in, uh, woven into all this. Uh, her, maybe more than any other person at, at this particular time in my life, and I just want to give her credit for it, but... Uh, struggling, struggling to stay clean in my mind, struggling to stay pure in my heart, uh, single, living in the midst of tremendous spiritual battle almost all the time, uh, and, and uh, trying to be a godly example to uh, young people who were fatherless, and, and, uh, or if, even if they did have good stable homes, they, they had not been discipled well and trying trying to disciple young people and all the darkness that was coming at them would just come roaring at me and uh it's during that period that uh, that i learned some of these principles that i'm trying to come back and bring into your thinking but uh 
One of them that was so helpful was a Twyla Paris song called Covenant Keeper. And it went like this. Covenant Keeper, you made a way. Infinite Taker, I made you pay. But your word was deeper, faithful and true, covenant keeper, make me like you, covenant keeper, I made a start, covenant Breaker, I broke your heart, but your love was deeper, faithful and true, covenant keeper, make me like you. I felt like any minute of every day sometimes I was right on the threshold of making some foolish mistake out of you know uh, weakness or lust or anger or a combination of all of it that would prove myself to be uh, a liar and a counterfeit and that song played in my head and it would come sometimes at the most inopportune moments just at the time when you think I ought to be uh, overwhelmed by temptation I'd hear in my head and then I would hear it coming out of my mouth covenant keeper you made a way infinite taker I made you pay but your word was deeper faithful and true covenant keeper make me like you covenant keeper I made a start Covenant breaker, I broke your heart, but your love was deeper, faithful and true. Covenant keeper, make me like you. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is how you reprove the works of darkness and uh, overcome them. This is how you be an imitator of God. This is how you manifest the kingdom of God in the darkness around you where the kingdom has not penetrated yet. This is how you stay filled with the Spirit. This is how you pray without ceasing. This is how you practice the presence of the Lord. So how do you begin to build your own hymn book, H-I-M book? What are the songs that have meant most to you in the battles of your life? Uh, what are the hymns? You know, what, it, it drives me up the wall that so many young Christians I talk to can't name one hymn that meant anything to them. That Maybe it's not their fault. It may be because, sadly, they've come from a church background where uh, all, all hymnody has been relegated to uh, the, the dust heap of, of religious traditionalism and uh, the beauty and goodness of it has been uh, obfuscated by 
religion. And uh, so one of the things you can do is uh, on your own, you know, you're a big boy and big girl now, you're big enough to drive, you, uh, you know, and put your clothes on, on on your own, then you ought to be big enough to go get a hymn book and sit down and read through the, some of them and find the ones that speak to your heart um, and and begin to sing them, begin to put them inside of you like bullets in a gun. Uh, so that they're they're with you all the time. Now I kept a notebook for years of poetry and uh, song lyrics and things of that nature that uh, that just spoke to me. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard "Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring" sung in English. I'd heard it sung in German, uh, you know, all of my life, but I'd never heard it in English. And when I heard those words, "Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring." Holy wisdom, love most bright, drawn by thee, our souls aspiring, soar to uncreated light. Those words became physical to me. I mean, almost, if you if you know what I'm saying, I don't really mean they became physical. That would be a step backwards. Uh, they became tangible, is what I'm trying to say, touchable chewable, nutritional, um, drawn by thee, our, uh, our love aspiring, soar to uncreated light. I can't tell you the number of times in my life when I have been aware of my soul doing that very thing, soaring towards uncreated light, trying to, to, to go back where I belong, to, to connect it's like uh, Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your imagination and affection on those things. And then he says, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, uh, covetousness, immorality, idolatry. Um, oh, he says, "How do you put to death those those members?" He's talking about your your bodily tendencies toward evil. He's not talking about the body being evil and the spirit being pure. He's talking about the bodily tendency to want to disconnect from the eternal real and live on its own terms. He says, "How do you how do you overcome? How do you break the power of that that force?" Well, that's, that's all summed up in that phrase, that poetic phrase, soar to uncreated light. And so that became part of my hymn book. And uh, so hymns were part of it, choruses were part of it, popular Christian songs were part of it. Uh, I've quoted this a number of times, but after uh, Kansas b became... Uh, for all practical purposes, a Christian group. They disbanded and then reorganized uh, under different names, but it was Carrie Livgren in Kansas. One of the songs they did that was so powerful for me was uh, a song that said, uh, Only your face can lead me to reason. Just one embrace will carry me through. Only your grace can keep me from treason now. Only your face can lead me to reason. 
What a beautiful, amazing, powerful, poetic statement that sums up the whole reality of practicing the presence, the whole reality of living in the presence of God. And, and uh, you see, folks, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get back to the bedrock of what this is all about. I, I think about St. Thomas Aquinas uh, and how he wrote and wrote and wrote the, the Summa, which is the foundation stone of Western philosophy, Christian philosophy, and other philosophy in general. And he comes to the end of his life and he's sitting at communion receiving the body and blood. And he goes into a place in the spirit where his students know they can't follow. And they ask him, you know, afterward, sir, what, what, what's going on? And he said, all that I have written is straw. All that I have written is straw. I've seen the Lord. And I think of all the hours I teach and teach and teach. And, uh, I think, you know, I know it's helpful to people. I know to some degree it helps people. But when it's all said and done, what I, what I really long for you to know is this. To soar toward uncreated light. To practice his presence. To live in his presence. To become childlike. To sing to him. To dance before him. There's a little, a little one of my favorite little choruses that I sing almost every day to the Lord goes, I will sing for you, dance for you, lift my hands in praise to you. These are expressions of my love. Worship you and glorify your name. Seek your face and in your presence remain. All of these things I do just for you. These are expressions of my love. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know where it came from. But I sing it just about every day to remind myself that the warrior is a child. God bless you. Thanks for listening.